0: Ask her, right like i'll be looking at my phone She think like she thinks i'm scrolling through facebook but half the time I, sometimes i am Face, facebook stalking somebody um, but I, I really do love reading in fact i like i love words right i love words now i don't use a lot of words my va- my vocabulary is limit my vocabulary but i love learning new words i love i love words that really that sustain right Word, words that sustain you. And it's, in fact, I, believe, I, I even believe that words define a person. A words can define you. Uh, words, can, words can lead. I often heard it said from other le- leaders is that leaders read. Readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. You know what I'm saying? Like um, words can lead. Learn, uh, words, they can light a path. Words give direction. Words cast vision. Words do a lot of wonderful things, and I really do believe that words can define you and define me and define the world around us, but in fact, I believe it so much so that I believe the words of our friend King David, and, and because words are, words are incredible. Right, and words are words that words can words can help give you a, a path to walk on, and and David describes words in probably the most beautiful way that I've ever discovered, like ever read, and and if you grew up in, in vacation Bible school, you probably heard this um, several times um like it was one of the one of the verses that you quote a lot right and this verse they, they actually put it in a little bit of weird weird order when you go to vacation bible school and we're going to do the same thing but in in psalms 119 it says your word is a lamp to guide me to guide my feet and a light for my path your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. In fact, a little before that, in Psalms 119.11, he says this. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide your words in my heart that I may not sin against you. what King David said, words are powerful. How you use words can dictate how people view you. That's why I tell kids at middle school all the time, you don't have to say the F word every five minutes. It actually looks bad (laughs) if you do that. Like, grow your vocabulary. In fact, I had a kid write it 500 times because he said it so much. If you're going to say it, you're going to write it, brother. Um, And so you better spell it right. We had one kid that spelt it without the K on the end. And I'm like, no, that's not, if you're going to use it, use it right. You know what I'm saying? But words are powerful. Words can define, words can lift up, words can direct paths. Your words can affect somebody's future, and someone else's words can affect your future, in fact, your words can affect you at what you say to yourself, what you say about yourself. Right? If you're constantly looking, this is not part of my sermon today, but I'm going to say, if you're constantly looking in the mirror thinking of what you could have been or should have been or should be, you'll never be who God intended you to be. When you look in the mirror, you should use the words, I am a child of God, I am beautifully and wonderfully created. He formed me, he formed me in my... foot. Fearfully and wonderfully in my mother's womb. When you look in the mirror, you should use words that define you the way that God defines you. In fact, I love the fact that we can trust God's word over us. I love the fact that when, when God speaks, everything that he says is true and he is faithful to what he says. We have a Savior who, who in every way is a man of his word. When he says, I come to give you life and life to abundant, guess what? He came to give you life and life to the abundance. When he says, I've come to break every chain, to set you free, to set the captives free, guess what? He meant every word. He said, I have come to set the captives free, and he has set some captives free. And in fact, he may want to set you free. When he says, I come to heal the blind, make the blind man see, some of us are maybe physically blind, but a lot of us are spiritually blind. In fact, I made a post yesterday that to fellow pastors. I've been doing that all week, y'all. I've, I've had a heart for, heart for pastors in the last couple of weeks. But. Some of us, our eyes need to be open. Our blindness need to be open to biblical clarity, especially with what's going on in the world around us. And he's come to open your eyes. He's came, he's came to make the mute speak again. He's, he, he, he came to give you a voice like a prophet crying out in the wilderness he's come to set you free in fact his words are so curious, I love it when there's a passage that describes the coming Messiah when he, it says he has come to set the captives free he's come to make the blind see he's come to do this, he's come to set the prisoners free and then when John the Baptist who was in prison sent his disciples to go ask Jesus if he is the one Jesus quotes all of that except for to set the prisoners free <laughs> he's like, sorry John and he didn't set John free. You know what I'm saying? But we, got, he's, we have a Savior who in every way is a man of his word. You see, nobody in this room can outbelieve God's word. You know why? Because God has not ever outpromised himself. God has never outpromised himself. He is neither a liar nor a fake. If he says it, He'll do it, and we can believe it. His words over you has always been true, honest, and he has always been faithful to keep it. Now remember, we're in this series is this, this, in the book of, about the book of John called this. Uh, this is this is who I am, right? And and John's whole purpose, remember is for you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that you would receive the salvation that only comes through him. In fact, John wants you to believe and hang on and hold fast to and have faith in every word that Jesus said. And we're going to look at a story today. We're going to look at a story today of a a man who took Jesus at his word. You with me? He took Jesus at his word. In fact, he did it in a way that like if like I like I've read this story several times in the Bible and totally missed this one little excerpt um in here. And it just like it blew my mind when I was studying. Like it was a like the story of the healing that happens is amazing. But what amazes me even more is this is his father's faith in the words of Jesus. Okay, can I read the story too? Can I read the story to you? Let's see. Look at this. We're gonna to go to John 4. Um, starting in uh verse 43, he said he says this. He says, On the third day, so pause here, remember, Jesus has just talked to the Samaritan woman, right? John, Jason talked about this last week. I'm gonna do this before I uh, trip and fall. Okay. Um John John just tells us a story about about how uh how Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. He totally transformed her life because he was honest. He was a man of his word, and he used his words to cut down deep into the heart, uh, into the woman's heart. And she was so amazed that this one woman went, right, and brought and told her, told her town there in Samaria, in Samaria, Samaria that that this Jesus told her everything about herself, and it led to these people come, not only believing her words but coming and hearing Jesus and believing him. And in three days, the, the whole village village became followers of Jesus, not based on miracles, but based on the words of Jesus and this woman, right? And remember, Jason said, what could we do in 48 hours? What if everyone in this room, every person as a believer, took 48 hours to do exactly what this woman did? What could happen in Knoxville, right? And so, so he's on the third day. He's woke up that morning. He's traveling out, traveling out, okay? It says, on the third day, on the third day, Jesus left there and continued his journey to Galilee, where he had been raised, now Jesus knew that, that prophets are honored everywhere are honored everywhere except for their own own hometown. and I'm going to pause right here just for a second. I just want to say what an honor it is because um, if you want to know anything about me, don't go ask my friends because they're going to tell you the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like the, one of the greatest honors and the, great, the, great, the things that I count as a, as a great honor and a privilege is that my family follow, like, comes here and follows me in a way. Because like they know me, they know my screw ups, they know my mess ups, they know everything about me, and they still said, "They, you know, Derek Runcomb sit under you." Like that's a complete honor, because sometimes it's it's hard. The hardest people for you to reach are those that are closest to you, right? Because they know they know your past, they know your pains, they know your current struggles, they see it. But here's the thing: we can't give up. We can't give up. Okay. On the third day, Jesus left there and continued on a journey to Galilee where he was raised. Now, Jesus knew that prophets, that prophets are honored everywhere except in their, in their own hometowns. Even so, as Jesus arrived in the province of Galilee, the people welcomed him with open arms. Why? Why did they welcome him with open arms? Many of, many of, them, many of them had been in Jerusalem during the Passover festival and had witnessed firsthand the miracles he had performed. Remember John 2, Right? We turned over temple tables and he performed miracles there. The reason, the re, I, I, I think it's it's not ironic that that John keeps pointing this view out, and it's really like it's really a heart issue with us and with these people. Why are you following Jesus? Because if it's just for what He can do for you, then you're not a real follower of Jesus. Jesus wants you to believe in Him not for what He can do, can do, but for who He is. If you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus wants you to believe in him, not for what he can do, Not for what, wants you to believe in him, not for what he can do, but for who he is. He is the Savior of the world. If all Jesus ever did was come down a cross in your place for your sin, raised from the dead, giving you victory over sin, death, and the grave, if that's all he ever did for you, that's good enough. I love how John keeps pointing this out because he, he's always, he's, it's like almost like he always wants you to put you in a heart check for a minute. Like look at what you're praying for. Are you praying for, always praying for what God what you want God to do for you, or are you praying for a thanksgiving of who he really is? Are you praying for what, what you can sacrifice, what you can be obedient in, right, because of who he is and what, he, what he's already done for you, right? We're going to keep reading. I love this story. Jesus entered the village of Cana of Galilee, where he had uh, had transformed water into wine. He met there a government official from Capernaum, And just so um, this so you know in the original Greek um, his title was, his title was um well, I just slipped my mind. Uh, what did I say it was this morning, Cody? Um, uh, basilica. It was a basilica. Um, you know, you, if you if you know anything about the, the Catholic uh, Catholic traditions, there's this place called they call it the, the basilica, and um, what basilica means means is belonging to the king. So this man was a high-ranking official who who was a, who was uh, who probably sat under Herod, um, and and was probably like I think I always think of the knights of the Round Table, right? He probably sat at the table with the king. He was probably a decision maker, right? So Jesus entered the village of Cana of Galilee where he had transformed water uh, water, into, water into wine. He met there a gov- government official from, from Capernaum, Capernaum whose son was very sick and dying. When he had heard that Jesus had left Judea and was staying in Cana of Galilee, he decided to make the journey to Cana. Oh, yeah. Uh, he decided to make the journey to, journey to Cana. When he found Jesus, he begged him, you must come with me to Capernaum and heal my son. Now you have to understand something real quick about this phrase before we, before we talk about this is um, that phrase, you must come with me to Capernaum and heal my son, it's, it's in the continuance tense in the original Greek language, right? It's like, it's like your child comes to you and say, Mama, Mama, Dad, please, please, please. Like it's this continuous, like even while Jesus was talking and teaching these people and And healing some people he was he was like this man from from the back of the room going jesus come heal my son please he's about to die he's on his he's on his deathbed and uh but i want you to notice something here is that this man had heard all that jesus had done heard that he was a miracle worker and and that that he was this great man but how did he hear this and it's because people were talking because people were talking about jesus and upon hearing, and as the Bible says, salvation comes upon hearing, hearing of the word of God. He, he said, you know what? I, I don't, he may not have known that, known Jesus as a Messiah. All he knew is that he he was that he was hopeless. He was he was desperate. He he was he probably tried everything to get his son to live and to stay alive. And this is maybe his last resort. He was hopeless. He was he he was, he was desperate. He was hopeless. He was he was he was he was depressed, like he's he's about to lose his son he's like, I've tried everything. Maybe this is my last resort. If I can just get to this Jesus who they say is a healer, maybe he'll heal my son. He, he, he's probably tried everything to get his son better. And he's so desperate enough, he traveled 17 miles to get to Jesus. Now, I, we don't know if he had a horse. I mean, he was a government official. He may have had a chariot. We don't know. But he may have walked. So let's take the slowest way, walk. Just so you know, from from an athlete, from a uh, physical thing, an average mile that you can walk, the average time for a mile is 20 is twenty minutes a mile. Okay? That's the average time. Brian's like, yes! All right? Just keep that in mind. Okay? Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. He was desperate enough to travel 17 miles to get to Jesus, hopeless, scared of losing his son, and crying out, Jesus, just please save my son. Over and over and over again, he is pleading for Jesus, begging Jesus to come with him. Because, I mean, his son must have been pretty bad off for him not to be able to bring his son with him. You with me? We don't know what's wrong with his son, we just know his son's dying. If you just come, please come with me. Please, Jesus, come and listen to Jesus' response. So Jesus said to him, and and in verse 48, Zane. And just so you know, um, in some translations say, so Jesus said said to them, because this uh because this in the original language it has this tense that he was talking to the whole crowd that was around him, not just specifically to this man. All right. So Jesus said to him, You never believe unless you see signs of and wonders. There's John pointing it back out again, right? That Jesus is like, like, how long am I gonna have to, to say, believe in me, not in just the things that I can do? But this is this verse 49. But the man like didn't listen to him. But the man continued to plead. You have to come with me to Capernaum before my little boy dies. You, like I can just hear the desperation in the father's voice, right? Jesus, come! Like if I can't waste another moment. If we wait here too long he's going to die. Can you just come? Like they said you were a miracle worker and I need you to come with me, and come with me and heal my son. Like I don't have any other option now besides you. I'm afraid that when I get back home he will be dead already. Like can you like you just, like I'm, i can picture him falling on his knees. saying be, begging Jesus heal my son. Please. What do I need to do for you to heal my son? I don't care about, your, about theology, I don't care about doctrine. I don't care about any of that stuff. All I know is my son is dying and I'm hopeless and the, and the only hope I have is you. Which tells us I don't care how you walked in here or how you walk, wake up in the morning, if you're hopeless, desperate, and in need, you can fall and beg your father in heaven to heal you. To help the situation. You have to come with me to Capernaum before the little boy dies. Then Jesus looked him in the eyes and said, Go. Wait, 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 wait. What did the guy ask Jesus to do? Come. And Jesus is saying, "Go, go back home now. I promise you, your son will live and not die. I promise you, your son will live and not die." Jesus, I don't think you, I don't think you heard me. My son is deathly ill. So much so, I couldn't bring him here to you. I need you to come with me. I said I said, come, you said go, and often I believe we're asking for one thing and God really wants us to do another thing. We're expecting one thing from God and God's wanting to give us something better. We get disappointed when we don't get what we ask and we miss exactly what he's given us. Because we're so fixed on this is what Jesus should do, this is what God should do, this is what God should do, instead of trusting him and believing him and taking him at his word. Right? Oh, He, he, like, if I was this dad, I wouldn't have heard the, your son will live and not die. I would have, all I've heard, would have heard of God's, Jesus say, would, would be go. What do you mean go? You're telling me to go away? Your Your followers tell you, your followers tell, you that, tell, me that, tell everybody that you're, you're the Messiah, you're the one that comes to save us, and you're not willing to come save us. Like, that's all I would hear, right? And here's why, here's why I honestly believe Jesus didn't go with this man and why sometimes he doesn't go with what we are praying for is that oftentimes Christ's words are to build our faith in him. Do we trust him? You trust Him enough to step out in faith and say, you know what, I'm going to take you at your word. It may not it may not look like, it, like it's going to be that way. It may not look like it's going to turn out the way you say it's going to turn out. But you know what, I'm going to step out and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to step out and I'm going to follow what you say. All right? So what does this man do? What does this man do? He doesn't do what I would do. Hey, verse 50. Go back. Then Jesus looked him in the eyes and said, Go back home. I promise you your son will live and not die. The man believed. The man believed. In his heart. The words of Jesus. And he set off for home. He set off for home. He believed what Jesus said over what he wanted and over his expectations. It's. see for our faith to grow, we have to begin to take Jesus at his word. And that's an important note for you today. We have to begin to take Jesus at his word. If he says go, we go. If he says stay, we stay. If he says sit still, we sit still. If he says fight, we fight. He says, take that job, we take that job. If he says, leave that job, we leave that job. We take Jesus at his word. But something surprises me about this story, right? Ronnie, if you were this man and you left knowing that your son is sick at home, what would you do immediately? Would you doubt? Okay. But physically, what would you do? Would you hang out for a little bit, or would you just go back home to your son? You'd run back home to your son, right? Because you don't, like, I won't believe, but there's still that flesh in me, right? Okay. This story just blew my mind. Like, I've read this a thousand times and never picked up on this. this to this. When he was still a distance from still a distance from Capernaum, his servant met him on the road, right? So he hadn't made it home yet. And this when he was still distant from home, his servant met him on the road and told him the good news Your son is healed and he's alive. Overjoyed, <laughs> the father asked the servant, when, when did my son begin to recover? Y'all see that next word? Yesterday, they said. At one in the afternoon, some translations say set in the seventh hour, which one o'clock would be the seventh hour of Jewish day because of daylight. And, okay, anyways. Yesterday they said at one in the afternoon, all at once, his fever broke, and now he's, well, oh, wait, 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 wait. yesterday? Um, you didn't go straight home to your son? This man had so much faith in the words of Jesus. Like, this guy wasn't, I'm, we'll see, in this, this, Jesus wasn't his Messiah yet. He didn't believe Jesus was a Messiah at this point. He just believed the words based off of what he heard other people say. And he, like, he hung around. Now, let's give you a picture. It's like this, 17 miles. Remember I said, make sure you remember that, 17 miles. If you walked a 20 minute mile, which is the average, you could have you could he could have been home. Let's see. So Jesus spoke to him at one o'clock. That would be roughly five and a half hours of walking. You could he could have been home by 7, 730 that night before the sun even set. And been by his son's side. That's not like that's not a big deal. Right? Either he was a bad dad. Or he really did take believe the words of Jesus. This means this man believed the words of Jesus so much that he left his burden with the one who could handle it. <laughs> See how many of us fall to our knees, lay our fears and our anxieties and our hurts and our pains at the feet of Jesus only to pick them back up again. Right? Like, Jesus, I'm bringing this to you. Like, I really wish you'd fix this situation. Thank you. Pick it back up and we'll take it back home with us. Let me tell you why that's not a good, a good, good thing. It's because this you make a lousy Savior. And I, yes, I put that on the screen because you need to hear that. You are not God. You cannot handle your pain by yourself. You, you make a lousy Savior, so stop thinking you can handle your hurts and your pains and your sorrows and leave it with the one who just speaks words and calms storms. Leave it it with a one that that with a spoken word can heal. Leave it with a one that with just just a spoken word raises the dead things to life. Because nothing is more powerful than God's word for you and God's word over you. This word from Jesus sustains this man's hope. Allowed him to breathe again. Allowed him to, to live again in reality. Like I I could, like if this man really like stayed around town, I could imagine him going out, having a nice dinner, going this I'm gonna trust what this Jesus guy said. Like that'd be hard. He just like he's like, you know what? I'll just head home in the morning. And I wonder if all of his servants are like like he should have been back by now. That's probably why the person went to come find him. Like let's make sure he he not on the side of the road somewhere. You know what I'm saying? He's just living it up. Trusting the words of Jesus. He, he he could breathe again, he was not able to live again. I think this man realized the words of our friend Matthew when when Jesus Jesus said this. He, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth every word that comes from the mouth of god it's his word that sustained you it's his word that gives you breath it, it was upon his word that gave you the talents the skills the hands the mind to do what you do it was his words his words that created everything about you and that everything that you would be the one that spoke life over you it's his word that holds you together That's why I say sometimes I don't see how people who are not followers of Jesus make it in this life. It's his words that hold you together. The writer of Hebrews, in fact, says this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave, gave them was only a fragment, a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of, of, of the Son, the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the, the panorama of all things and all time. The sun is a dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's truth nature his mirror image he holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word he accomplished he accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of uh, hand of the majestic one of god the father this his words his powerful words are holding this world together Jeremiah 15, 6 says, When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord, God of heaven's army. Psalms one nineteen eighty nine. 89 Heavens, and fastened to eternity is the word of God. Your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. But your... But, but your decree, your words, everything stands at attention. By your word, everything stands at attention for all that you have made serves you because your words are my deepest delight. I didn't give up when all else was lost. <laughs> I can never forget the profound revelation, the profound word you've taught me for they have kept me alive more than once. Lord, I am all yours and you are, all, you are my savior Go back. Lord, I am all yours. You are my Savior. I have sought to live my life pleasing to you. Even though evil men wait and ambush to kill me, I will set my heart before you to understand more of your ways. I've learned that there is nothing nothing perfect in this imperfect world except your words. For they bring such fantastic freedom into my life. Psalms 33 4. For God's word is something to sing about. (laughs) He is true to his promises. His words can be trusted. And everything he does is reliable and right. There is a word he has spoken over you. He's going to bring you to life. His word is the one constant. God's faithfulness is the one constant, constant in the equation. He has always been faithful to His word. Always. And and always will be. His word is the rock on which we stand. So this man believes the words. Jesus. The words that, that, that sustained him and got him home. And he goes home and he tells this story of encountering Jesus. Right? This is what happened. It says, then the father realized that it was at that very same hour which showed that Jesus has power over distance and time. His words His word has power over distant and time. So no matter how far you feel that you're away from God, guess what? His word still covers you. No matter what you have in your past, that time in your past that you think defines you, guess what? His word still cleanses that. And the father realized that it was at that very same hour that Jesus spoke the words to him, your son will live and not die. So from that day forward, the man and all his family and servants believed this was Jesus' second extraordinary miracle in Galilee after coming from Judea. This man, because the power of Jesus' words, because he believed and took Jesus at his word. Right? This whole family came to be followers of Jesus. Not, not because of the miracle, you notice, but because they seen that Jesus was faithful to his word. He said it, I believe it, and here's the result. The miracle was amazing, but what's even more amazing is that this family believed based on Jesus' word. So the question becomes, so the question becomes are you going to take Jesus at his word or are you going to keep working at it in your, own, in your own power, your own strength because guess what, like I said before you make a lousy savior and you're going to end up depressed feeling alone desperate and hopeless but if we just start walking and believing there's something about just believing and we take that first step into whatever we feel God has said It's like it's empowering. Are you going to take Jesus at his word? Or not? Sessip. Because if he said it, I'm going to believe it. He says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Even in those valleys where I feel like I'm all alone, I know that he is there. And I'm going to keep walking toward that mountain. Hopefully I get to the top one day. <laughs> if he says, if you follow me, I'll take care of your kids. Guess what? No matter how much crap they do, I'm gonna keep walking to that mountain. And I know my kids are gonna be taken care of. God, you told me to give, but I don't have much to give. Trust you with my salvation. I don't know if I can trust you to get me to the end of the month, but you said to give, so I want to give, and I'm going to be generous. It may be a little tight, but I'm going to keep walking to that mountain because you said it. You told me if I give, I'll be giving back tenfold. So I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to keep walking to that mountain. God, I have some pain in my right hip, and you said. You're a healer, and I'm gonna believe that you're gonna heal it. So, but in the meantime, I'm gonna keep walking, even with a limp, until I reach the top of that mountain. God, you promised me for healing. This is, this is gonna be real personal. Are you ready? Go for healing? So I'm gonna believe for a new kidney. I'm talking about Brittany. So I'm gonna believe for a new But in the meantime, I'm gonna keep walking. Promise me a child. it seems awfully desperate. I'm gonna believe it. I'm gonna keep walking to the top of that mountain.
1: Come on! What has he said? I, I'm gonna interrupt your, your sermon I love you. I love you. Glory to God. I hate to do this. This bring disrespect on the weekly Man, come on, I don't want to speak truth. Yeah. All right, am
0: The question becomes Are you going to trust God and His Word and keep walking? Because I'm going to be perfectly honest. The last six months have been hard. Been hard. In fact, the last two years have been hard for me personally. Here's what I've decided. I'm just going to be blunt. I don't care how many people are sitting in this room. I don't care if it's just me that ends up showing up. I don't care who leaves. At the end of the day, I know what God gave me in my heart and the vision he gave me. And even if no one's sitting in here, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to come and stand right here. I'm gonna preach. preach, preach to the chairs. Charles Spurgeon used to go out and preach the trees. If he could preach the trees, I could preach the chairs. You know what I'm saying? I, this is, I didn't write any of this down, so you can come check, but here's, you want me to tell you what God told me eight years ago? I see schools, medical facilities, I see hundreds of teenagers coming to know Christ. I see the lack of homelessness in Knoxville. So much so all the resources that are going to homeless, people are gonna have to go to something else. I see addicts, addicts, addicts being healed. That's what I saw, that's just some of the stuff I saw eight years ago. And at times, it, like, especially the last six months, it's like, God, was, did I see the right thing? But I decided to take, like this man, I'm gonna take God at his word. And I'm still gonna keep on walking to that mountain. And one day, maybe I can do a speech like Martin Luther, not as good as him and say, you know what? I've been to the mountaintop. I believed and I got to the mountaintop and I've seen the other side. And I'm just asking you to believe with me. And take God at his word. So, so when there's a check that needs to be written, guess what we're going to do? We're going to write it. <laughs> when there's somebody that needs to be hired, guess what? We're going to hire them. And we are going to change Knoxville. We're going to change Knoxville. We're gonna take Jesus out his word. Well. Cause I'm tired of, well I about said the wrong thing. Well, I said it the wrong way. I'm, I'm tired of us halfway doing stuff. If Jesus is gonna be a man of his word, guess what? We're gonna be men and women of our word. That's it. And if you wanna be a part of that, cool. I love all of y'all. I really do. So let's go kick Satan's booty, y'all. To God, we want to thank you so much for me, to God who is a God of his word, that every promise you've given us, every vision you've given us, every, every word that you have spoken, you are faithful and true to keep it. I pray for protection around my heart, my kid's heart, and my wife's heart. pray for protection over this church and the hearts of the people that call this home. Because as we step out believing what you said, we know the enemy's going to attack. So pray for protection. Not for deliverance because we don't need to live. We've already been delivered if we're following.